Welcome to Heart Church. We believe the gospel has the power to change your whole life, all your life. We hope you're ready to hear from God and be impacted by this message. That's awesome. Turn to someone and say, have you come with your heart full? Sure. Wow, well, I'm... um, I'm preaching with the voice of a man who has already preached three times. But I believe that we've saved the best till now. So 7 p.m., this is it. This is the one. This is the one to go for. If you're going to preach four times, you should preach. You should come and you should say, if you'd like to turn in your Bibles. And I seem to be gloriously unable to produce that kind of message. But um, yeah, we've been preaching, I see an army. And we started off by looking at Ezekiel, Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel came and prophesied to a valley of dry bones. And he spoke to that valley, uh, believing that, uh, that, that those bones could come together and it become a mighty army. And, uh, and from that, over these last weeks, we have been speaking about I See an Army. And today, as part of that series, I want to actually come and speak to you about three armies. Not just I see an army, but I want to talk to us about three armies. And uh, these armies are rooted in familiar environments. Uh, if any of you have spent any time in church and and uh, one of them, even if you don't usually go to church, we're going to be talking about David and Goliath. And even if you've never been to church, I'm sure David and Goliath is something that you've come across along the way. So allow me to pray and uh, we'll ask God to do what only He can do in a time like this. Father, we thank You that You're already here. You're already on the move. You're already speaking to people. You're already touching people's hearts. Father, as He come around Your Word now, we pray that every single one of us would hear something for ourselves. You've got a message for us, but you've got a message for us as individuals as well. And Spirit of God, as you move up the aisles and the rows of this room today, I pray that every single one will know that they walk in a way carrying something that is specific and unique for them. But we pray, Lord God, that you would have your way in this place. We need you. We love you. We long for you to move in the name of Jesus Christ. Everyone said, Amen. That's amazing. So we're going to kick things off with a story around a character, a man called uh, Jonathan. Jonathan was King Saul's son. And uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 14, I think you'll find that come up on the screen. The Bible says this, that, that one day Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Migron. With him were about 600 men. We're going to be reading a few scriptures, but we'll press pause there because there's a backstory to that 
Jonathan had decided to make a move. Saul, his father, was under, uh, the, the, as an army, they were paralyzed under the pomegranate tree. They were unable to move, unable to go anywhere. Uh, and, and, and there were some reasons associated with that. If you read the backstory, all their weapons had been taken. No one had a weapon. And in fact, no one was even able to sharpen their own blades. There was no blacksmiths in Israel. They, the Philistines were afraid that they would uh, rearm themselves. So even to go and have your uh, blade, your plow, plow blade sharpened, you had to go and pay for a Philistine blacksmith to do that. So there was something very humiliating about this scenario that you, you, you were a, 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 a part of an army but you had to go and queue and you had to pay worse of all to, to, um, to have your blades sharpened. But the fact is that this army was stuck. They, they found themselves in a place where they were overwhelmed with what they didn't have. So let's read on. 1 Samuel 14, verse 6 says that Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. What I love about this is that Jonathan is a character who brings another perspective to the table. We've got an army who are impotent, who are disempowered, but, but, but Jonathan feels, senses there is something different. He's, he's carrying a perhaps. You know, sometimes you've just got to launch out on a perhaps. I, I he didn't talk to his father. In fact, he didn't talk to anyone because what he was about to do was crazy. Anyone who heard what he was about to do was going to try and talk him out of it. And so rather than be talked out of it, he, he set out. He just needed someone who was going to walk with him, someone who was going to stand with him, someone who was going to walk alongside him. And the armor bearer said, do what is in your heart and with you heart. And so, 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 so Jonathan launched out on a perhaps. And the interesting thing is that I believe that we as a church are in a season where we are launching out on a perhaps. You might be visiting tonight and so you might not know all this stuff. It's, it's, a, it's no biggie really, but we're on a, a mission. We, we've uh, been selling up some property over the road and we are believing to get out of this room because we have outgrown uh, this room. This is our fourth service of the day. We're usually running those, uh, some of those with overflows. And so we have outgrown our space and we have, we've, we are rent, we're going to go and rent a space that is bigger to enable us uh, to lean into, become the kind of church that God wants us to be. It's a big shift. It's a big move. But there's something in me that says that we serve a big God. That with our God, we are able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can even ask or imagine. Jonathan just refused. 
He refused to stay paralyzed under that pomegranate tree. He, there was something in there and say, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to play out. I don't know how this is going to work out, but I'm going to do something. I'm, Jonathan had a big God. He, he, he believed that God was bigger than his situation. He believed that God was bigger than his problem. And he rose up and he says, come on, we're going to do something. We're going to believe that God is going to make a way, even though there would be many who would say that there, it, this is impossible, that no way this could happen. Sometimes, perhaps, is enough. And Jonathan, indeed, with the armor bearer, they launch out. And this is the really good preaching stuff, which I can't get to. But they climb up and they, they, deal, with an, uh, they, they deal with an enemy. And, uh, and then they, there's this commotion that is seen by his father, Saul. So 1 Samuel 14, 20. And the Bible says that then Saul and all his men assembled and went to the battle. And they found the Philistines in total confusion, striking each other with their swords. Those Hebrews who had previously been with the Philistines and had gone up with them to their camp went over to the Israelites who were with Saul and Jonathan. When all the Israelites who had hidden in the hill country of Ephraim heard that the Philistines were on the run, they joined the battle in hot pursuit. See, what I love, what I love about this is that something happened in this breakthrough that, that, that got the attention of, of the army. These, people, these men who had been stuck under that tree, the Bible says that, that, that they went to battle with empty hands. They went to battle. What had been an issue was no longer an issue. Because now they were not focused on what they didn't have. They were focused on the greatness of God. They were focused on what God was doing. They were focusing on what God could do through them and with them. They understood now, hey, we don't even need our swords because God will even use the swords of our enemies to fight against themselves. They, they went to the battle and God was fighting for them. I'm talking to someone here today. God is fighting for you. You think it's all down to you? You need to know God is on your side. He's gone ahead. He's made a way. He is fighting for you. I love the fact that we, we've, we've got people here that, that as we see this breakthrough take place, We've got people here who had actually gone over to the enemy's camp. Hebrews who were so convinced that they couldn't win. So convinced that the odds were so against them that they went over to the enemy camp. And yet we discover that after this breakthrough, even the ones who'd gone over to the enemy camp said, Hey, 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 God's on the move. God's on the move. And they came home. They came home. And then, and then we, we find that, that there are people who are living in the hills. They, they, they hadn't gone over to the over, uh, into the enemy's camp. They'd just got a long way away, gone a long way away and, and they were hiding in the hills. But then they heard that God was on the move and they came out of the hills and they rejoined the people of God. I want to say I believe that there are people all over the city hidden in the hills, 
Right now they're far from God. Right now they're far from things, but they're hidden in the hills. And when they hear that God is on the move, I said when they hear that God is on the move, they're going to come out of the hills and they're going to come home and they're going to be restored to, to their rightful home. We've got another account that I want to throw into the mix and this is perhaps the one that is slightly more familiar, the, the account of David and Goliath. And in 1 Samuel 17, we hear about this, this, this giant. He was uh, around nine feet tall or something like that. And, and, and the Bible says for 40 days, this giant Goliath, the Philistine, he, he came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. We read a couple of verses on in verse 24 that whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. I think that I'm intrigued by the fact that this day after day after day, Goliath came forward in his defiance. Morning and evening, he, he came forward and he defied the people of God. And then the people of God, morning and evening, they came out to meet him. And then, you know, I don't know, Goliath. Ah! Uh, and and they, they all ran in the opposite direction. You know, it's like, you know, saying, oh, don't worry. You know, like, hey, guys, at least we gave it a go. We tried, eh? We tried. It's not easy. It's not easy. He's a big bloke. It's fine. You know, like it's, it's tough. I, you know, I, sometimes I think that the, the church can be a little bit like this, you know. It, it, we, we, we encourage each other. Each other. We, we, we give each other high fives and slap each other on the back and say, it's all right, we gave it a go, we tried. I mean, God can't expect anything more than that. And just back, we just keep going back and forth day after day, having a little go. We have a little go and everything stays the same, but we comfort ourselves with the fact that we had a little go until one day someone with a very different perspective came along. No wonder, no wonder David and Jonathan hooked up a bit later on because they were men of the same spirit. They, they heard one another deep, called to deep. And David came along with another perspective and he was like frustrated. He, he, he couldn't believe that a whole army was running away from a man. And there was something in David that rose up and said, my God, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who dare defy the armies of the living God? There was something in David that was angered by the fact that these men were so overwhelmed by their fear and they'd forgotten the greatness of their God. They'd forgotten what God could do. And David rose up and, 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 and he, he came with faith and belief. Why? Because he proved God in private. He proved God in private. David knew what it was to, to, to stand on the hillside and see a, a lion rush out of the trees or, or a bear. And, he, and he, he stood there and he fought with a lion and the bear on his own while he looked after somebody else's sheep. They weren't even his sheep. He could have let it all go. But, but, but the, the, the thing that fueled 
The fire in David's heart was an understanding that the God who helped me on the hillside, the God who helped me in private, the God who looked after me then is the God who will look after me now. Hey, we don't need to wait for our Goliath days. We don't need to wait for our giant days. We, we need to deal on the, in private on the hillside with the lions and the bears. That's how we know. You don't have to worry about your Goliath. You'll have what you need when Goliath comes along, but that will be built on the foundation of what you have done in private. When no one was looking, when no one was saying well done, when no one was applauding, it's what you've done in those places because God sees. God sees. God sees and you've got to just trust that, that as you go through some of your trials and your tribulations, God is building muscle inside of you. He's, he's, he's building something into you, into you for the things that you're, you're yet to encounter. That's where, that's where David's courage came from. The Bible says that he triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. And David ran and stood over him. And he took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheath. After he had killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. And when the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they, they turned and ran. And then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. See, there's just something in these, these two places. The first place that we looked at with Jonathan, I couldn't get past the fact that, that an enemy had stolen their weapons. I thought, I thought, I thought about us. I thought, mm, you know, here we are. The people of God. But could it be that the, there's an enemy who has stolen our weapons? We've got weapons. We've got stuff that God wants us to use. I'm not talking. The Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They, they are, the, the, our, the weapons of our warfare are spiritual, mighty to the bringing down of strongholds. God has given us weapons with which we want to fight. He has, he has given us the weapon of prayer. The weapon of intercession, but but has an enemy stolen it? Have we have we laid some stuff down? Have we let go of some stuff that we should be holding on to? Maybe maybe we have let go, uh, laid down our acts of service, or or maybe our giving. You know, you say, well, why, how how come giving is a weapon? Well, <laughs> giving is a weapon because that's the that's the route that God has chosen to bless us through. And when I give what I should give, then I stand blessed in the presence of God because He has promised me that He will bless me when I give God what is due to Him, as Robert was sharing with us earlier. And, and, and we understand, therefore, it is absolutely a weapon because when I stand in the blessing of God, I'm protected. I'm protected by what the enemy has planned. The, I could talk to you about the weapon of our call. I believe every single one of us is called in some way. Every one of us is carrying a call. 
that, that dream that is given us, that call that is on our lives, uh, some of us, we've, we've allowed it to be stolen from us because we've looked at our life and we've looked at our call and, and we've seen such a massive gap between the two. Ah, you know, it was just one of those things. It was just an emotional moment. The devil is a liar. The Bible says that the the gift and the call of God are without repentance. When God has placed something on your life, you do not look at the circumstances to determine whether that gift is real or not. Look at the life of Joseph. Look at the life of Joseph. He had every opportunity to throw in the towel, whether he was thrown into a pit, whether, whether he was put into slavery, whether it was thrown into prison for something he hadn't done. There were many times he could have thrown in the towel and the dream seemed a million miles away, but he held on to what God had said. He held on. The call kept him, kept him true to the course. It, and I, I want to speak to somebody today to say, hold on. Hold on. Don't don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. I know it looks rough right now. I know it's not worked as I know it's not worked out as you thought it would worked out. Would have worked out, and you've prayed your prayers, and you're disappointed because you've not seen things answered in the way you wanted them answered. And and but I want to say, in the face of all that, will you trust Him? Will you trust him tonight? Will you say, God, I don't get it all. I don't understand it all. But I make a decision to trust you. I make a decision to trust you with my life, to trust you with my future. Even though it's not working out as I thought it would work work out. My life does not belong to me. My life belongs to you. I trust you. I trust you. I give it all to you. We need to take up our weapons again, church. We need to understand who we are and what it is that God has given us. Because I want to say the biggest thing in both these situations was not the weapons going. It was that they lost their confidence. Whether you stood in front of Goliath or whether you're, you're, you're standing in front of the Philistine army uh, uh, as, as, as Jonathan and, and, and Saul were, they their confidence had gone. They, they'd forgotten. They'd forgotten who they were. More importantly than that, they forgot who God was. They forgot what God could do. And, 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 and every single one of them was just one breakthrough. Just one breakthrough away from a miracle. Just one breakthrough. Just one breakthrough. I tell you, we need to, we need to understand again what it is to wrestle in prayer, to, to, to fight for some things, we, we need to find our confidence in prayer again. We need to find our confidence in intercession again. And we need to take our stand. There is power in prayer. We do not need to look at our circumstances and say that they overwhelm us. Go down to our Goliaths and, and, and run off in the other direction. We need to say, we need to say to our Goliaths, like, like David spoke, he said, you come against me with sword and with javelin, but I, come against you in the name of the Lord my God you see the thing about David the thing about Jonathan was they remembered who their God was they remembered who their dad was they remembered whose they were and 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 sometimes we get so focused on what we're not and what we can't do that we forget about the greatness of our God God is looking for a people who will trust him he's looking for a people who will say I don't know how it's going to work out Lord but I 
trust you because you're a God who is bigger than my circumstances. You're bigger than my problem. You're bigger than my marriage problem. You're bigger than my health problem. You're bigger than my finance problem. You're bigger than that problem at work with my boss. You're bigger. You're bigger than that. You're a big God and I serve a big God and I will not be intimidated by my problems anymore. The devil is a liar. Some of us, we need to hear truth come out of our own mouths. Some of us are robbing ourselves of confidence by the things that we say, by the things that we declare. We spend so much time talking about how big Goliath is and how intimidating Goliath is and how dark the darkness is. But my God, my God is greater than that. My God is a light in the darkness. He is a warrior. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the King of Kings. You need to tell your depression in the name of Jesus, Number one, it's not your depression. It doesn't belong to you. It never did. It is the devil's thing he's put on you. You need to rise up and know that he's putting in you with a confidence to stand against your fear, to stand against your depression, to rise up and say in Jesus' name, I stand against you. I will overcome. I will win, not in my own strength, but in the strength of the Lord, my God. You don't stand in the shadow of your giant. You stand in the shadow of a great and mighty God who is with you every step of the way. Can you say amen? It's time we got our confidence back. Oh, I'm speaking to somebody tonight. My God, my God. We talk about self-confidence. Ah, it's all right. Self-confidence is good. You know, it's okay. But we need God confidence. We need God confidence. Self, self-confidence will get me so far. But I need God confidence. I, I, you see, the problem is I, I know what I am. I know what I'm not. I know, I know where I mess up. I know what I've been thinking about. I, there's a lot of stuff that could rob me of my confidence. But when it comes to my God, when, when, I, when it comes to Him telling me that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, then, then I've got an opportunity to choose whether I believe that or not. But if my God says, if I, if I st- decide, if I ever decided to stop listening to me and start listening to God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It doesn't say that you'll always feel like that, but somewhere in your heart, you've got to know that because God has got you. It is true. I may face, Abraham faced the facts, but he believed God. Sometimes there's a gap between facts and truth. I may face facts, but the truth is, what God has said. Can you say amen? We find in both these situations, confidence rose up. As someone, as someone broke ranks with fear and, and broke ranks with intimidation and, and, and stepped out on a perhaps, we see that, that their breakthrough produced confidence in the army. They, suddenly something came off. Something came off. And, and they ran to battle. They ran. They, they, they were good to go. They were ready. They didn't tentatively come down. No, there was a boldness that came upon them. You see, when we're talking about a move of God, we, we need men and women who are carrying a godly boldness. That's what I believe the Spirit of God does when we, when we, when we are filled with the Holy Ghost. When I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, it makes me bold. 
like on the day of Pentecost where the Bible tells us that they were hidden in a room. They were hiding. They were fearful. They were fearful of what might happen to them. They had seen their Lord and Saviour nailed to a cross and they didn't know what the future held. They didn't know what could be there for them. And the Bible says they were hiding in an upper room and then the Spirit fell. The Spirit of God fell. And it was, sure, they spoke in other tongues, but I want to tell you the great miracle was that the fisherman, Peter, who had been hiding in an upper room, the one who had denied Jesus, suddenly found him stood in front of a crowd and he preached. In the name of Jesus, thousands came to the Lord as he preached because there was a boldness that had come upon him. And the boldness was not his own. It was the Spirit of God. Oh, oh, Ezekiel prophesied to the army. He prophesied to the army. He said, oh, come, come, Spirit of God, come, come, fill us, come, 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 move on these slain. Come from the north, the south, the east, the west. Spirit of God, come flow. Flow, flow, fill us, fill us, fill us, oh God, fill us, fill us afresh. We need you, we need you, oh God. We need you, we need you, Spirit of God. Come, come, fill us, fill us, oh God, to overflowing. God is raising up an army. God is raising up an army. I'm here today to to, to, to win, to win people. See, see, as as Ezekiel spoke, as he spoke, God turned his words into breath. You need to understand that that's what I'm believing today, that as I come and as I speak today, as I I preach, as I I prophesy, that I believe that God is taking these, these humble, simple words and he is turning them to breath, a breath that, that enters in and changes and transforms. My God, we've got... The, the, um, we've got the uh, night coming up on the 16th of May. So for all those who are already leading, we, 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 need, we need you to turn up to that. We, we know you're going to be there. And we, we need people who, who aren't even uh, part of a team yet just to come and listen because, because we're raising up an army, but we're raising up an army who are coming willingly in a time of God moving, in a time of the Spirit of God moving, we are are seeing people come out of hiding. They're coming out of hiding and they're saying, hey, I've got something you can can use. You can use me. We've got got one of these um, pictograms. I've been using the word all day. I only learned it on Friday. I didn't even know there was one, but this is a pictogram. I can tell you now that this is the only service of the whole day that I am actually explaining this properly in. So, so you are blessed. You are blessed. Turn to someone and say, you're blessed. You're blessed. I've been telling people this means all kinds of things all day. And they all believe me. They're going to get a shock next week when they realize. I'm sure that, so, oh, you must have heard it wrong. Um, but this, this gives us an indication of, of the numbers the numbers that we need. These, we've got some amazing people who already serve uh, 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 that make church happen. We 
couldn't do what we do already if, if, if people uh, weren't doing what they uh, are doing. But we also need, we, 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 we need these numbers extra every week in all of these areas to make church happen at Kings Meadow Campus. That's where we're going. Because you see, it's not easy. It's not easy even when God is moving, even when He's blessed, even when the Spirit of God is moving. You still got to work. You still got to do something. You know, we, 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 didn't, we didn't talk about it so much, but when, when Jonathan climbed up to face the enemy, I love this, you know, it's like Jonathan and his armor bearer were like confident. They, they climbed up and, 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 and they were excited because, you know, it, it was clear that God was opening a way. And here they, they get up there and, and, and they, it's like, God, we're here. We've done it. And then they saw the, see the first Philistine coming towards them. And, and you know, if you read it yourself, I, I just think, I just think what, what Jonathan must have been thinking. Here he is in the time of God. God's opened up a way. God's done something. It's awesome. The word is fulfilled. Hey man, we made it. You know, so high-fiving his armor bearer. But then the Philistines start coming and he starts fighting. So, so you know, maybe he had to deal with five. He had to, he had to deal with 10. In fact, the Bible, the Bible says he had to deal with 20 in all. But I'm just thinking about the journey to 20. You know, by the time you get to number 11, you're thinking, hey God, um, hey God, anytime you want to turn up would be awesome. You know, right now I'm fighting hard, Lord. It's tough. You know, by the time he got to 15, he's thinking, oh God, I hope it was you I heard. And then, then he goes, 16, 17, 18. Now, this is a man who's heard God, moved by God, acting on a word from God, but he's fighting hard. He's sweating. His sleeves are rolled up. And the Bible says he took out 20 and it was then. You see, even, even when you're being used by God and moved by God, you're going to have to work hard. You're going to have to work hard. But then we see the breakthrough, the breakthrough that comes. Time's against me, but I want to just get us to this last point because... I've talked to you about two armies. I want to talk to you about a third. See, there's an army in our midst, but there's also an army that we can't yet see. And everything that we speak to you about is is for us, but it's also for the army that is yet to be won. It's for the army that is yet to be formed. See, let let me take you a little bit further along in the book of Samuel and I love this you know David King David had been paying a high high price for his anointing I can't go into all that but the word escaped here tells you a lot David left Gath and escaped too the fact that he escaped tells you a lot maybe you can go and read that this week the escape to the cave of Adullam and when his brothers and his father's household heard about it they went down to him there all those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. 
can't tell you how much I love this. I can't tell you how much of this. You see, Adullam means refuge. But, but David came to this cave. He came to Adullam's cave and he found himself surrounded by people, surrounded by men who were dispre- distressed, depressed, discontented. They were, they, were, they, they were in debt, the Bible says. They were a pretty messed up crowd. And I don't know what happened in that place. All I know is it was utterly transformational. You see, I think that you need to understand that I I actually see this as a picture of what church should be. You, You might arrive messed up you might arrive distressed and depressed and indebted and discontented. You, you might arrive that way, but something happens in the cave. Something happens in the house that is transformational. Something happens from the inside out. You see, when we're looking, when we're looking for an army, we're looking for the skilled and the talented and the gifted. We're looking for those who've got it together. We're, we're looking for those who are awesome and amazing. But David found himself surrounded by the broken and the discontented. And he found them with those who were depressed and, and in debt. It was, it was a motley crew that he found himself surrounded by. But they, they had this in common, that they were with David. And something happened because the Bible says, and I haven't got time to go into it all, but but the Bible says that this, these people, the depressed, the distressed, the indebted, the discontented, these people became David's mighty men. Mighty men. Something happened in that cave. I want to say that the broken and the messed up have the possibility to become mighty women of God. Mighty men of God. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me introduce you to a couple of them. These were some of David's mighty men. Josh, full name, Joshua Bashabeth the Tarkamanite. We'll call him Josh. Josh single-handedly took out 800 of the enemy with a spear. Do you remember Josh? Do you remember Josh? He came, when he first got to the cave, do you remember what he was like? That guy, that guy, he was so messed up he could hardly talk. Now he's, he's taking out 800 of the enemy with a single spear. Wait, there's more, what about this, this Eliezer? Eliezer, when everyone else retreated, stood his ground and fought so hard his hand froze to the sword do you remember Eliezer when we, when we first got to the cave he was the one stood at the back and he wasn't talking to anybody he, he wouldn't even lift his he wouldn't even lift his head he, he wouldn't even look you in the eye when you were trying to talk to him and now this guy When everyone else is running, he's standing for what God has got for him. There was Shammah. Shammah who was not a sham. Come on. The Bible says he defended a lentil patch. My God. My God. Luke, a lentil patch. 
like, bro, calm down. You know, we can get another lentil patch. We, you know, it's like a lentil patch. You know, it's not like the end of the world, but not Shama. Mm-mm. You see, Shama. Shama rem- remembered what he was like when he first arrived. And, and he encountered a king who called something out of him. So when Shama is looking after a lentil patch, I'm telling you, he would die. He will die to look after what God has given him. He won't throw in the towel. He won't run away. It doesn't matter how small the job is. If you give it to Shama, he will defend it. He will give it all to it. Hey, one more, one more, one more, one more. Benaniah. Benaniah. What? Benaniah. That bloke. That bloke, Benaniah, when he came. He owed so much he couldn't even pay attention. You'll get it later. (laughs) He was in debt. He was messed up. And the Bible says this. He says that Benaniah fought a lion in a pit on a snowy day. See, let me tell you something about Benaniah. It doesn't matter what kind of day it is. It doesn't matter whether it's raining. It doesn't matter whether it's sunny. It doesn't matter whether it's cold. Even on a snowy day, Ben and I, he, ben and I on a snowy day, he walks in a t-shirt. He walks in a t-shirt because he's that guy. And he walks by and he walks past the pit and he sees a lion in it. See, the thing about Ben and I is most people would walk by the lion thanking God that the lion was in the pit and they weren't in the pit. Not Ben and I. Because he's one of David's mighty men. And he said, "Mm, hey, Mr. Lion, this is a bad day for you. I'm your worst nightmare. He jumps in to the pit to deal with the lion. It's this kind of army. It's this kind of army. It's this kind of army. But God is raising up the broken, the lonely, the messed up, the depressed, the overcome, the overwhelmed. I'm going to be God's mighty men and God's mighty men and women. come to the end of this message we hope you've been challenged and inspired stay up to date with everything going on in the life of our church by checking out our social media just search heart church uk